Chapter Twenty Seven of Bonne Marie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Susanna Mason. Bonne Marie: A Tale of Normandy and Paris by Henry Greville, translated by Mary Neal Sherwood. Chapter Twenty Seven. Home again. The sun had been up some time when Bonne Marie awoke the next morning, and this first awakening was very sweet. Her provincial nature, her instincts of a well-to-do peasant, had revolted against much of the shabbiness of her Parisian life. She hated cotton sheets, the thin, poor mattress, and the smell of dust in the furnished apartments. She now enjoyed the touch of the fresh linen sheets, the simple neatness of her room, and the delicious air that came in at the open window. There she was at home, and almost every one can understand the bliss of feeling one's self-proprietor on the floor one treads upon. She went downstairs. The fire was laid ready to light. A jug of fresh milk, a loaf of bread, and a plate of butter stood on the table. Jean-Baptiste had evidently desired to spare her the annoyance of going out, and answering the thousand questions which would be addressed her by curious neighbors. She looked around the room and was convinced that her friend had spent a portion, at least of the night, on the bed of the old smuggler probably to be within the sound of her voice, should Bonne Marie need anything. So much goodness, joined to so much delicacy, touched the girl's heart. Ah, why had it not been Jean Morin, whom she had loved? Why was it that this humble peasant had this large, kindly heart, and the elegant artist was without one? She had occasion to ask herself this question many times during the next few days. When forced to leave the shelter of her room, and obliged to face her little world, she heard curious questions. "'And you are back again,' said one. "'The air of Paris does not agree with you, it seems, for you have lost your good looks, all of the colour of your flesh. You have spent all your substance, I fancy.' "'No,' answered the girl. "'I have made a little money on the contrary, but I was homesick.' She was only half-believed, but as she was quiet and amiable, although a little haughty, as the people in about her said she was let alone and allowed to live in peace the most insulting surmises came to an end when they saw the determination with which bonne marie applied herself to finding work to do when your father was alive they said to her with that rough pity met with only in the country you had no need to work but that was money perhaps that was none too honestly earned while nowadays all you make with your ten fingers need never bring a blush to your cheek Bonne Marie accepted all this in silence, all these coarse illusions and the coarse work and insufficient wages. But this did not last long, for she soon began to make lingerie, caps and fichus for the ladies of the place, her always clean fingers having acquired new skill during her residence in Paris. She soon had more work than she could accomplish when it was discovered that her work was as good as that done at Cherbourg where some of the most exquisite things of that kind are done. Of course, everyone was curious to learn some details in regard to her life during the four months she had been away, but how were they to discover them? How could they shape their questions? They tried every means, intimations, hints, but all in vain. To all their questions came Bonne Marie's invariable reply. What could I do but so as I do here? And this was all the satisfaction that anyone could obtain. There was not a human being who had not tried this without success, with the exception of Jean-Baptiste. One evening he came, as usual, to ask Bonne-Marie if she needed anything. 
She asked him to come in and sit down, and this was the first time he had done so since her return, for she had seemed so restless and uneasy in his presence that he did not care to linger. "'You have never asked me,' she said suddenly, "'what I did well in Paris.' Jean-Baptiste shook his head. "'What do I care?' he asked. "'Nevertheless, you must know,' continued the young girl, "'and I wish you to know also why I came back.' He did not speak. He had never asked Bonne Marie a question, and yet he never entered her presence that one did not burn on his lips. In a very few words the girl made him understand what a café concert was, and the part that she had taken. Jean-Baptiste had heard much of the theatre, and he readily grasped the meaning of what she said, but he remained silent. She then went on to tell him how she had made the acquaintance of the artist, and under what circumstances he had painted her portrait. "'And this portrait? Where is it?' asked the young fisherman. "'He has it. It is full length, in a white dress.' At the recollection of this portrait, the sole vestige of her transitory glory, a bright color flushed Bonne Marie's pale cheek. She went on courageously, but it was with, a pa with intense pain that she said in a low voice, "'He told me that he loved me. That was all very well.' "'And you?' asked Jean-Baptiste suddenly. "'Did you love him?' The young girl hesitated a moment. "'I loved him,' she answered slowly. The young man's lips turned pale. "'Go on,' he said in a strange voice. "'He loved me, but that was all. "'And you, who know me, know very well "'that I can only love my husband. "'He said not one word of marriage, "'and yet he was attentive to me to a, for a long time. "'It was I who spoke of marriage to him.' "'The young man's eyes quivered, "'but he did not remove them from those of Bonne Marie. He did not wish to marry me, she continued with trembling lips. He wished me to be his mistress, but not his wife. And then? Then I came away, and here I am, she answered simply. You love him still? asked Jean-Baptiste without looking at her. No, but I weep for him still. You love him no longer, then, are you sure? I am sure. I could not love a man who did not respect me. You know, Jean-Baptiste, that I am not made of stuff like that. Bonne-Marie's wounded pride had killed her love, but the wound still bled. She had loved Morin from pride. She had fled from him through pride, and it was pride that enabled her to drive him from her heart. But it would be long ere she recovered all her former sweet serenity. "'I know you are a true good woman,' answered the young man. You see now how much these fine town gentlemen are worth. You have seen that their dainty words are not worth so much as our blunt peasant phrases. I told you, Bonne Marie, that you would come back here, sick in body and soul. But your fate is far better than I feared, since you dare look the world in the face. A long silence ensued, and then the young man asked with some hesitation, Why have you told me this? Because you are my only friend and I felt that you had a right to know. He has your portrait, you say? Yes. And it looks like you? Not as you see me. My hair was dressed differently. Here I wear my linen caps, and there only my hair. No, it does not look like Bonne Marie. It is like Lucien. That was my name then. Jean-Baptiste was silent and thoughtful. Suddenly he looked up. Well, he said, Lucien is not Bonne Marie. Paris is not Amonville, 
and it is a good distance away. Do they know that you came from here? No, nobody has my address. Do they think you've gone to your home? I do not know what they think. Very well, said the young man. Try and forget all this, and I will do the same. And he rose and departed without another word. End of chapter 27 Recording by Susanna Mason, 